Hi, uh, this is Lou Antonio, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now... Here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Well, I hope you had a great week, and now it's time for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 498 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with the guests from the movie, TV, or music industry. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this week... We have Lou Antonio joining us. Now, Lou, as an actor, you know from Star Trek, The Monkees, Gunsmoke, and, of course, from Cool Hand Luke. As a director, you just name it, he's done it. <laughs> he, he directed Chicago Hope, Picket Fences, Boston Legal, McLeod, McMillan and Wife, and just on and on and on, and so many others. We could go on all day talking about it. But Lou's going to be joining us. He's also now an author. And his book is called Cool Han Lu, 50 Years in Hollywood and on Broadway. Lou Antonio is coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. Get ready for that. Got a lot of great, great stories coming our way. And uh, what do you say? Let's get right into it. It's time for Remake Madness. Remake Madness, it looks like. John Lithgow has joined the cast of the Pet Cemetery remake, and he will play the role originally played by Fred Gwynn, of course, from uh, the Munsters and everything. And uh, that's going to be coming out uh, later on. So uh, get ready for that. We'll keep you informed of exact dates and everything as we get them. And let's see, Todd McFarlane's remake of his Spawn character is... Hoping for a 2019 release, and rumor has it that Jamie Foxx has been offered the lead. And director John Woo is remaking 1989's The Killer. Production starts at the end of this year. And that's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, Penelope Cruz and Jessica Chastain will star in 355, an all-female spy thriller. And John Senna will star in The Jansen Directive. Originally, the role was to be played by Dwayne Johnson, but he's backed out of that. But he still is going to be the executive producer of the film. And Justin Timberlake and Chris Rock will star in Spinning Gold. Now, this is a biopic on the 70s record producer Neil Bogart, co-founder of Casablanca Records. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, let's check out Sequel City. Sequel City, well, as far as sequels, the role of... Prince Philip in Maleficent 2 will now be played by Harrison Dickinson, replacing Brenton Thwaites, uh, who was unavailable due to other film commitments that he's had. And Happy Death Day 2 is now a go. Looks like they're going to be making that one. And Annabelle 3 has officially been given the green light. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, it looks like HBO's Here and Now with Tim Robbins and Holly Hunter will be hitting digital download on May 14th and on DVD on August 7th. It's quite a span. Uh, July 10th, HBO's Mosaic will land on Blu-ray and DVD. It's now available on digital. And let's see, The Expanse Season 3 arrives on July 17th. And that's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, let's take a peek at what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, The Steam Engines of Oz is an animated film set in the land of Oz with all the familiar people that uh, were in the original Oz movies with the voices of Ron Perlman and William Shatner. It'll be arriving on June 5th. The 30th anniversary of Die Hard starring Bruce Willis will be hitting Blu-ray in 4K on May 15th. And on June 12th, Love, Simon hits Blu-ray, DVD, and 4K. 
That's it for Movies on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time. Well, a lot of people are going to be on the final episode of Season 11 of The Big Bang Theory. Mark Hannimal is now on board for it, so uh, get ready for that one. And uh, the list keeps getting bigger and bigger. And despite lower-than-expected ratings, ABC has renewed American Idol for another season, and all the judges will return. And Empire on Fox has been renewed for Season 5. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, Celebrity Birthdays. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Celebrity birthdays on May 8th. Melissa Gilbert turns 54. May 9th, Billy Joel turns 69. And on May 10th, Bono turns 58. On May 12th, Jason Biggs turns 40. And on May 13th, Dennis Rodman turns 57. And uh, that's it as far as celebrity birthdays, as far as listener birthdays. Don H. of Los Angeles, California, turns 47 on May 12th. And Tommy B. of Tacoma, Washington, turns 29 on May 10th. Now, if you, a friend or a relative, are going to be having a birthday and you want to get in on this, send me the information at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com and we'll get your little announcement on there. Let everybody know and let everybody wish you a very happy birthday or friend or relative, whatever. Just send me the information at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Well, that's it for listener and celebrity birthdays. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, Lou Antonio. He's a director. He's an actor. He's done every, I mean, just so many directing and, and movies and TV shows he's been in. But uh, to name a few, acting was uh, Star Trek, The Monkees, and uh, Gunsmoke, and of course, Cool Hand Luke. And also as a director, it uh, it just went picket fences and uh, McLeod and, and it just on and on. It's just so many. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of them. And Lou Antonio, he's got a book out called Cool Hand Lou, My 50 Years in Hollywood and on Broadway. Going to find out about that, too. Lou Antonio's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Joining us today on On Screen and Beyond is an actor from the movie Cool Hand Luke who also starred alongside Kim Basinger in the TV show Dog and Cat in the 70s, as well as appearing on many other shows, including The Defenders, The Monkees, Star Trek, Gunsmoke, Mission Impossible, The Rookies, Making It, and many more. He also directed many shows and was nominated for three Emmys. He is directing Gave Us Gentle Ben, The Flying Nun, Owen Marshall, Counsel at Law, The Partridge Family, The Rockford Files, McLeod, Picket Fences, Chicago Hope, The Guardian, Boston Legal, and that's just scratching the surface. He has a book out that talks about his 50 years in show business called Cool Hand Lou, My 50 Years in Hollywood and on Broadway. It's Lou Antonio. Lou, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thanks, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm going through this introduction here, and it's like, you were in every great show, <laughs> and you directed well, so many. Not all of them, but daggum near them. Pretty nice. I mean, they, I don't know how many of your, your people are going to remember something called the Defenders. Oh, yes. Gosh. <laughs> I was a kid. You left out Naked City. I know, Naked City. and it, I mean, I, I left out a lot. That's why I said the many more. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, you, you, you wouldn't want to read that bio. It goes we, on too long. We'd have spent, yeah, we would have spent 30 minutes just, just talking about the, the show, you know, just it, me telling the shows you were on. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the beautiful Kim Basinger, though. Gosh, I, I don't even know what's happened to her. How, she was wonderful. I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, just that she was brand new and wonderful when we worked together. Now, how did you get that show? Let's start there, You, since you mentioned that. Uh, how did you get the, okay. the dog and cat? Uh, I, was, I had just finished directing a movie of the week called Kitty O'Neill um, with uh, Colleen Dewhurst and really a, f- a fine group of, uh, of actors. It was a true story about a, a, uh, an Indian, half-Indian stuntwoman in uh, Hollywood who uh, was couldn't hear? She was deaf, and it was really a, a Jimmy Farantino, really a, a good show. Brian, I wouldn't quite give you the whole that. Anyway, so I was editing that, and I got a call. I think it was a Saturday, uh, saying, "Could you come over and read for this pilot they're shooting?" I, I said, "Well, yeah, I can't give you too much time." So I got there. I, they hand me the script. A couple of guys read. A couple of women read. One. One woman who said, you know, I'm dating Joe Namath. <laughs> oh, that'll get you the part. <laughs> what does that make? So anyway, I went in. Uh, I read um, with some, I think the woman who said, I'm going to Joe Namath. And the producer, Larry Gordon, said, listen, would you stick around and, and read with this uh, this blonde? She's our last one. So I said, yeah, sure. I looked at my wristwatch. And I read with Kim, just as fresh and as spontaneous and as likable and gorgeous as you could want. And then Larry Gordon, the producer, said, um, okay, I think we found them. And uh, that was that. Wow. Then uh, we made the pilot, and the pilot sold. And we got, I've got to put this in, we were a smash hit. I think this is in the book. But wait till you see the pictures of Kim Basinger in the book. Oh, what a creature. <laughs> anyway, um. So we were against Carol Burnett and, I don't know, some other show. Carol Burnett was tops. Yeah. She always won the Saturday Night Spot. We beat her every time we went on the air. Really? Wow. Yeah. And uh, But we only did seven of them. Then they canceled this. I think it's in the book that says uh, why they canceled good old politics of networks and, uh, and, our, and our Congress. Yeah, but that, that's in, that's another story. <laughs> but anyway, that's how I got it. Then I went on, finished my editing, and uh, did, did did half a season with Kim, and then went back to directing. Hmm. And so, were you directing uh, at at the same time as you were acting before that show, Dog and Cat? Uh, yeah, there was not at the same time, but I did have a wonderful couple of wonderful seasons in which I. I had, uh, I was, I started out directing episodes, and I, so I did six episodes as an actor, and then I did six episodes as a director, all in one season. I said, perfect, perfect, perfect. Hmm. Yeah. So did you do, ever direct and act in it, or did, were you separated? Uh, no, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I, number one, I didn't want to quite take a job away from a, a director. And, Listen, it's big and it's enough going home and memorizing all those lines for tomorrow for the acting. Why direct it at the same time? Mm, I, I, that has got to be incredibly hard. It is. I had to do it one time on a pilot that I acted in with Lee Grant that Lincoln Levinson wrote. And we shot the pilot, and then uh, Lee got busy and went off somewhere. And Lincoln Levinson uh, wrote in a scene they thought had to be added. And they, with me and another character, bartender, I think. And uh, they said, Lou, would you mind? You know the show better than anybody else. And I said, yeah, sure, that shouldn't be too, too difficult. <laughs> All I did was watch the other actor as I said my part to see how he was doing. Hmm. So I just, I never saw the sense of it. Wow. Jeez. I mean, some can do it. I obviously cannot. Yeah. Jeez. Now, um all these shows that you were on, do you remember what the very first show you were on as far as, uh, you know, on TV or movies, whichever was first? Uh, Naked City. Naked City was your first? When it was 90 minutes. Oh, I didn't I know. Thought, no, it was 30 minutes. Excuse oh, okay. Me. It was 30 minutes. And I had one line on it with, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Chris. 
He's the one that got killed by the helicopter in that movie. Oh, um, oh he was in combat. Uh, Vic Morrow. Yeah. Yes. What, what's his name? Vic Morrow. Yeah, Vic Morrow. I had a scene. I had my one line or two lines with Vic Morrow early in the morning. Got paid ninety dollars. Came running home to my girlfriend. And I said, "That's it. I made ninety dollars today, and that's all I had to do." I was so excited <laughs> by having that check. I had I was sag already because at one point uh, I, I did a screen test for Ben Gazzara's first movie, and uh, and so I I I'd, I'd done a screen test. I had done a show also before Naked City. It just reminded me of it. It was a, a kind of a local type shows. 30 Minutes on a Saturday, I think, of My True Story, I think it was called, hmm. uh, with Phyllis Newman. Oh, really? I got to work with Phyllis. Huh. And so I had my SAG card, and that's why I made $90. <laughs> <laughs> and that was quite a bit of money back then. Oh, boy. <laughs> I would say today trip, tripled it at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I was home in two hours. It was an exterior shot. Dick Nara was very nice. He kind of looked at me skeptically as we did the scene. I said, I don't know that what, if he's seen me on stage or not, but uh, he was fun. I had a good time on that. Yeah. Then I went back and did oh, three or four when it became an hour. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I noticed on your bio that you, you are, were also in Splendor in the Grass? About yes, uh, I was a member of the actor's studio. And uh, Elliot Kazan... Uh, came up and said, listen, Lou, would you, would you do a small part in my movie? I said, well, sure. And he, he I said, but one caveat. My, and I said to this, the Kazan, my, my brother had just come into town. I said, now, and, and he's an actor. If you put him in the movie, I'll do the part for you. Well, Kazan just loved that kind of stuff. He said, yeah, sure, he's in. So we both got in the movie. Wow. Huh. Yeah. And uh, now another one I didn't mention this show in the intro, but uh, it, it's a classic show. I mean, I got to mention this one, The Fugitive. You were in that one, right? I was. I think we were the first episode shot when it was still black and white. Me and Brenda Vaccaro, old chums from New York, were, were flown out here. Now the the title of the episode was "See Hollywood and Die." Mm-hmm. And I said to Brenda, I hope this is not an omen about our career in film and TV. <laughs> but he, then I went on to do three more, three or four more. Yeah. In those days, you could do that. An act, actor, like when I came back and I started directing, I wanted to do a, a show for De, uh, David Kelly, wanted me to do a show. And I wanted a particular actor. And he said, oh, we can't use that actor. And I said, why not? He said, well, he was in a, an episode last year. I said, David, let me tell you. America knows we're just actors. <laughs> and, and I told him, I said, I did three. I did three um, Defenders, at least three Naked Cities, um, three or four Defenders. Uh, well, anyway, it, it's changed. Mm -hmm. My book is a, a lot about the changes, too. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. I mean, you've been, your career has spanned a, a lot of the, the studio stuff and, and everything else. So, uh, yeah. I'm sure. And, and the, the, I must say, the guy who helped me with his name, who produced, oh, the FBI and uh, the Fugitive, uh, he he produced about seven shows, and he liked what I was doing. We he met me. I was acting in a show. Uh, I don't know something about psychiatrists. Came out from New York. I would I would come out to New York on uh, during the summer to do guest shots to pay for my my stage habits, you know, because off Broadway was thirty dollars a week in those days. And it was uh, this guy. Oh, I wish you would know his name because darn it, he he kept a lot of New York actors alive. He would fly fly us out here, unknowns. His casting director, John John can, can, John, John anyway, was an ex actor from New York. And he would bring us out, guys like me, Gene Hackman, people no one ever heard of yet. Mm -hmm. He would bring us out here, and we got the same money as as a, as a Hollywood director only, and they paid our transportation. In those days, we didn't get per diem. So we usually would just cash in our first class, because that was a side rule of first class ticket, and drive out. <laughs> <laughs> I did once in a Volkswagen. I never thought I was going to make it. Wow. <laughs> 
So was that for uh, when you were in New York? Uh, were you were you on stage at that time? I was. Uh, I did my in my entire. I did eight plays on Broadway and four off Broadway. Uh, and so I, I, I couldn't have done both. So I must have been out of work during the summertime anyways, a little skimpy in New York, except for if I didn't have a play in Broadway, I would go to summer stock and then I could act all, mm-hmm. all, all you know, eight, eight shows a season for probably around $60 a week out of which you paid your own room and board. Wow. <laughs> oh yeah. But what training? Oh, Brian, great training. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Jeez. Now, um, before I get into Cool Hand Luke, uh, I just wanted to mention another show that you were on that was very popular at that time. I, as, as a kid, I used to watch the show, The Monkees. You were on The Monkees. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it when you sent me the, your, an email. I said, how old is this guy? How old am I? How old are The Monkees? That's got to be, like, what, 50 years ago or something? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! Yes. Oh, played one of them. You know, one of them dumb hillbillies with the guys. They were very popular, very nice guys. Oh, but yeah. they were so busy, with, you know, making making themselves known as a band. Mm-hmm. But it was fun to see what they were up to because they were untrained actors. That right. is. And, and uh, well, in those days, I'm not sure they were part of it. They would cast a band. It didn't matter if they knew how to play an instrument or not. Hmm. They would. They would teach him or they would fake it. I know I did a movie called The Finks, P-H-Y-N-X, in which the plot uh, was the, 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 uh, the president's son of Albania loved old movie stars and he would kidnap them. I'm talking about Johnny Weissmiller and Leo Gorsi mm-hmm. and yeah. Pat O'Brien, you know, and the Lone Ranger. And he would kidnap them. So the FBI or whatever we call ourselves, silly... Our job was to, we formed a band, made it a hit, so we could be invited to Armenia, or wherever it was, and I could get the the stars back. <laughs> it was, But it was a musical, and the guys that wrote the music did, um, oh, oh, you wouldn't know their names, uh, they did a whole bunch of blue suede shoes, uh, shot uh, a lot of Elvis's songs. So it had good songs in it, but uh, mm-hmm. it didn't run. Wow. Huh. But great fun. Got to shoot in Italy and France and Spain. Oh. Hmm. And this time, first class. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and another TV show that you were on, and, and this episode that you were on is very mem- memorable. Um, a lot of the, the shows, uh, it was hard to remember characters because you were sort of like the background or something like that uh, a, a lot of times. Uh, but But this show seem to it's one that sticks in your mind your episode on star trek oh it became a classic right yes. it became a classic yeah um i still get i get fan mail from all over the world mm-hmm. but what worries me is it's addressed to my house wow um, how they how they get that <laughs> Well, I don't know. A lot of it's in crayon, so I get it a lot from jails. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't answer it, of course. But mm-hmm. uh, but it's it was one of now nah, now nah, that that wasn't even a hit when it was a a, a show a, a TV show, right? Yeah. What it run three seasons? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, it was I, the the director was an acting friend of mine, Judd Taylor. And Frank Gorshin, who in those days was a well-known uh, comedian, mainly uh, uh, an impressionist, mm-hmm. and he was a lot of fun. We shot those in six days, and the script was really ahead of its time in its uh, fight against racism and segregation. Right. Just so people might remember it, if I mention it, is you, you were, your face was half black and half white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it, it's and his was the opposite. Right. Yeah. 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 That show I was, was very... white on my right side. He was black on his right side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That that show was so far ahead, covering issues that you know, and you really didn't even know it <laughs> the way they did it. No. No. Didn't at all. I wish I could find the script of it because there were about four rewrites on it, and I must say, each time toning down 
uh, the violence uh, in the segregation and the racism. Hmm. But still, it made a strong statement. Yeah, oh yeah. Jeez, it's, it's funny how that... Uh... Now, how did you get that part? Were, were they looking for you, or did you have to go to an audition? Well, I, I guess Judd, because I'd acted with Judd Taylor. No, no, he had directed me in, the, in one of the fugitives, the motorcycle gang fugitive with Bruce Stern. Oh, okay. And so when it came up for that, because the guy had to speak well, had purple prose. Boy, it was a prose purple. Uh, and I had a lot of stage experience. I'd done Shakespeare. I'd done Marlowe and all that stuff. And he had to speak. He had, he knew he had to get somebody because I asked him, why'd you pick me? And I asked him, he said, well, because we needed a stage trained actor because of the speech. Hmm. I found that out later. Yeah. Wow. Now, Cool Hand Luke. Mm. A, a huge film. Um, as before we got on the air, I was telling you George Kennedy. Um, I had him as a guest here back uh, quite a few years ago. Uh, but uh, how was it working on that set? And and there again, how did you get the part? Well, it, it, it's uh, it's funny how I got the part. Uh, I call it the the day that that um, TV left New York. There was a, stay, a sound stage up in Harlem, and the Defenders was shooting their last episode. Uh, Bill Shatner was co-starring with Lonnie Chapman in a, a show that was short-lived called For the People, I believe it was called. Naked Cities, uh, and it, it was just one drunken orgy up there. We were all shooting our last episodes, and we knew what we were going to do. Soap operas, that would all be left in, in New York. And uh, anyway, so I was hired simply because I was just well-known by now mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in films. and on, uh, You know, you wanted somebody. Uh, you got one woman and two people. They cast all the shows there. Uh, Marion Doherty. When, when a Hollywood act, a director would come out here, we didn't even meet. Read, no, none of us read for him. They, Marion Doherty cast. When a Hollywood director came out, and almost all of them were, Marion Doherty cast them. The director, we would meet the director, and of course he said, fine, because Marion Doherty was brilliant. Well, look, Duval, Bob Redford, you name them, they all were cast in in the Naked City when it was black and white. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so that's how I got got the show, because I was playing a a drug addict who had an emotional scene in the stand. And Stu Rosenberg, oh, I don't know how much time you have. Anyway, I was out here. Out here, I mean, I'm in California now. I was out here doing a guest shot on some TV show, and the phone rang in my motel. And it was my agent. He said, uh, they want you to do a new show. Uh, uh, and, and I said, well, what are they paying? I said, after all, that's why I came to California, to make money for this. Right. And he said, well, they're paying 1500 And I said, well, that's not my rate is 2500 out here. He said, yeah, but New York, Lou. I said, well, I won't do it for 1500 He said, well, okay, they came back to 1650 No, no. Okay, they came back to 1750 I said, wait, who's directing it? They said, Stu Rosenberg. And I had been impressed by some of the shows I'd seen him. And I said, okay, take it. So I flew back to New York, and I was playing a drug addict. Now, and in the courtroom scene, the first scene that I was in, as a, as a drug addict, I was getting ready to uh, talk it in, in, in a trial. I looked down at my hands. My fingernails and my hand, my fingers were clean. And I said, wrong. Now, Rosenberg was standing there, but I didn't pay any attention to him. I, I got on my knees and I rubbed my hands all over the soundstage floor till they got dirty. And I looked up and he was looking down at me. I didn't think anything of it. I mean, all actors do that. Went in and did my scene. And and did the, did the show. Then I found out through an agent that they're going to do a movie called Cool Hand Luke. And what uh, I was going to be out in California anyway that summer. Would I come and meet the producers? I said I don't understand any of this. I went and and Stu already had pictures of eight by tens of all these New York actors: Jack Cannon, myself, Joe Don Baker, Wayne Rogers. He had those pictures up there, and I met the producer. Uh, Carol, I think his name, Gordon Carroll, I think his name was. It looked more like an actor, so good looking. And my agent says, called and said, okay, they want you. And I read the script, hadn't read it before, and it was kind of a small part. 
And I went over to my Hollywood agent, who was a great guy, and he and I said, I don't know if I want to do this, man. And there's Brad Dillman there and his wife, Susie Parker, that kind of party where we ate purple potatoes. Don't ask me why. I said, I don't think I want to do it. He literally got on his knees and begged me to do it. Wow. <laughs> I said, this is embarrassing. Yeah, well, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> hmm. yeah, so uh, they they got a lot of New York actors for the cheap, and so we were able to shoot a really good film. And Paul, I knew from the actor's studio in New York, and we had talked a bit about this and that, and, and he'd seen my work there and so forth. And so we got and and we got to work, and it was Stu was just great. He was a, he his former profession had been. And uh, teaching Irish literature in college. Hmm. <laughs> That's quite a change. <laughs> oh, boy. And there was George, and he's just a great, good old boy. I mean, we just had the best time uh, in Stockton, California. We shot it. Hmm. And uh, it was just all guys. We all got along. And we played poker or, or danced together, even, this little motel. Uh, nothing to do at night in Stockton, thank goodness. <laughs> But we'd all gotten in trouble. But uh, Avery, uh, whatever his name, anyway, he gave us all uh, female names. And just as it just so when we danced together. And Paul, of course, was Marilyn after Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, he gave me, I don't know, somebody I never heard of. <laughs> but that's the kind of fun we were having. And Paul, not only a professional, just easy to talk to, get along with, never intruded on anything, never never gave you a criticism of anything you did. He's just that stand-up kind of guy. Serious. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, in the movie, it's such a great movie. Oh, and, well, and the, we saw dailies. Uh, they, they shipped a 35-millimeter camera projector up there, and um, they, the company had rented a motel room to show dailies, and they invited all of us. Bring your own bottle. So we all brought our own bottles. We watched ourselves up there. And invariably, Wayne and I were talking about this. Bless his heart. Um, we found no fault with any of the other performances except our own. We always said, oh, why didn't I do so-and-so? But when we, when we left the first day's dailies, Wayne and I looked at each other and said, well, we're in a good one. We got a good one, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> It turns out we were right. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, it was, it was a great shoot. <laughs> now, we're going to go into your directing in just a second. But, um, oh, sure. But as far as the TV shows you acted on, is there one that was stands out in your mind that you really enjoyed and liked working on? God, i, I got to tell you, Brian, almost all of them in New York were outstanding mm-hmm. in, in that we had some writers there that really, and on the Defenders, my gosh, I mean, those writers, they took on communism, they took on um, homosexuality, they took on issues in those days. I'm talking about the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And so just to walk on those stages with that material was a thrill. It was, and, the, and the directors came out of live TV or the theater, a little of them, few of them in the theater so it was like one great big group of all of us new yorkers and we 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 communicated in the simplest ways i you never saw a fuss well robert reed was always late but he he was having personal problems he was a regular on the show uh oh but i will tell you a funny uh i don't know if it's funny but it's true um so i did i did four fugitives and i also did either three or four defenders and they were running simultaneously. So the first year I came out on a Defenders, boy, Jansen was gung-ho. Second year, well, last shot of the day, he'd have a, he'd have a blast. Third year, well, lunch hour, maybe he'd have a little blast, and so forth. Now, and, and, and when I first did my first Defenders, I was watching E.G. address the... Uh, the, the jury, mm-hmm. God, how does he learn all those lines? And because he's half in the bag, and I went around to the other side, because that was with, with, when when I was looking at his face. And then I saw him from the back, and he had pasted his page of pages of the script on the front 
on the front of each juror in the front row, and he was just reading his part. <laughs> I, I don't know how he did it. I came to work one morning on Defenders, and he was, whoops, I almost said a naughty, he was blasted. He had a, um, a, a, a Bloody Mary in his hand, and laughing, I mean, really drunk, let's mm-hmm. say. Yeah. And when I saw him on set, word perfect. He was, I just, my mouth dropped open. And, but I got to see what, what series can do to good actors. Yeah, wow. In the long run. <laughs> Depends on the actor. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, with all the different, I mean, you're throwing out some names here that of people you worked with that are, I mean, it boggles the mind. You know, Paul Newman and E.G. Marshall and everybody. Uh, is there anybody that you worked with for the first time when you were on these shows, or, or in Cool Hand Luke, whatever, uh, and, and you were just in awe of working with this person? You know, and and, and I mean this honestly and, and simply. When you're an actor up there with another actor, you're in the same battlefield. Mm-hmm. And and I acted with Lance Sir Larry Olivier. Wow! Right next to him, and I think I wrote about it in the book. In that, in, uh, I was offered a ten line, uh, five, eight line, a uh, ten line part. Everybody wanted to be in it. I mean, it was a four hour special, Power and the Glory. God, it had George C. Scott. Everybody was in it. Colleen Dewhurst, Julie Harris. And so we all wanted to be in it, all of us young actors. So my MCA was my agent, and they said, we got you ten lines. I said, oh, great. And I read them, and I said, wait a minute. I'm not with Olivier anywhere. They said, what do you mean? I said, well, I want to. I don't care. I want to play with Olivier. So they said, okay, we got you an eight-line part, but you're with Olivier in two scenes. <laughs> <laughs> so... This is this is Olivia. The first day of rehearsal it was at a little place downtown, and with all the shows rehearsed on the Lower East Side. And over in the corner, as we all started coming in, was this little guy stooped over a cardboard, uh, um, uh, a card table, putting brown contact lenses in his eyes. And it was Olivia because he was playing a Mexican priest. Every morning, that's the way he started. And when he'd meet us. He, he was Sir Lord. He would say, just please, call me Larry. <laughs> Everybody call me Larry. So, now, Ina Ballin was a friend of mine. And I think, oh, yes, I did write about this, but it, it's, uh, I, it's more fun to talk about it. Ina Ballin said, oh, say hello to Larry. And I said, you know Lawrence Olivier? She said, yes, tell him hello. So, one particular show we shot till uh, one scene till three in the morning. And he was exhausted the next day. I'll, I'll, it's in the book how, what a man he was. And so I was out in the uh, in the hallway, and no one else was there. And Larry come, uh, yes, Larry came out of the door of the soundstage, just the two of us. And he started walking toward me. As he got closer and closer, and I, I've got to move away from the phone. I said, "Ina Allen says to say hello." <laughs> <laughs> Shrieked it at. He stopped, nodded, said thank you, and went back into the into the room. <laughs> thought, oh God! And I thought Ted Williams was my only person that I idolized. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he was as oh him as a person, as a professional. The pain he would go through, uh, and it would shoot till three in the morning. They waking up at seven, and he slept in his. Uh, in his makeup room, in in the you know, mm-hmm. I was just yeah, yes, I did get to work for some wonderful people, wonderful actors, but I was always just on a par with them, yeah, because we were just actors doing our jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jeez. Now directing, 
Uh, you know, I mean, we've given some great shows that you you acted in, but it's the same or more even of the shows that you directed. I mean, it's incredible the list, and it's it's like and yeah, it does go on for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's like my childhood growing <laughs> growing up. <laughs> yeah, kid, a green kid. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I can remember General Ben. I mean, you you yeah, you directed the first one. How was directing? A bear. Well, that was the easy part because they had two bears. Mm-hmm. One would one would do the wrestling, and one would do the tame stuff, the funny stuff. <laughs> but uh, because of Dennis Weaver, I got that. I I'd, I'd written uh, I knew Dennis, and I'd written a play that I did at the actor studio out here, and Dennis was in the first half, and at, and so then he went off to do a, a movie. Uh, with Vera Miles in the Philippines, and he said, Lou, would you, is on a, uh, on J- January 1st, I'd just been out here, uh, about three weeks. He said, listen, would you come out to my house and read this script? I've got to start shooting. Uh, so I said, well, yeah, sure. So on New Year's Day, I went and sat in his front room and read, read the script. Excuse my language. So I won't use it. He said, well, what do you think? And I said, Dennis, it's crap. He said, well, I know that. Do you have any ideas? <laughs> <laughs> so I just threw out a few ideas. Uh, you know, it's a war story set in the, the Philippines in World War II. And uh, he was the lead character. And he walked over to the telephone. He says, okay, I've got the man for the rewrites. Now, and I got scale, which I, as I recall was $1,300 or something like that. And he hired me. And now... Uh, and it was a war story, so I wrote it. And the guy who had written it originally had was a well-known writer. He wrote like the, the Pink Panther movies or something. Uh, maybe, maybe he just handed—I don't know. Anyway, I was hired. I would go over to the Philippines because Dennis Cohn said uh, we can't, don't have the money to blow up a bridge, Lou. Would you come over? We got rewrites like that. So I went over there and and started doing rewrites and so forth. Uh, and. Watched a low-budget movie, Vera Miles. I don't know if you remember her. Oh, yes. Played the sister in, in um, oh, the one with Tony Perkins uh, that Hitchcock directed. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a well-known actress, a beautiful woman. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think a former Miss Kansas. And she was married to the producer-director, Keith Larson. And so I learned a little bit about that. Now, when we get back here... That's how that's how Dennis knew me, that in the actor's studio. And that's why he called me to come over. And that's why after we did the movie, he said, look, I've been doing a, a series called Gentle Ben. I'd like for you to direct one. I said, oh, well, okay. I never studied act, uh, directing or anything. But Dennis was always trying to elevate the quality of anything he was in. I mean, it was a half-hour show, but he got the producers – to up the guest salary, salary, so you get Albert Salmi and people like Victor French, better class of actors mm-hmm. doing guest shots. And so, because it was Dennis, their star, the producers, one ex, Vincent Sherman, I think, did movies and everything. They I had to say yes. And so I acted in one. Dennis said, you should act in one first. You sort of get the sense of it. Of this crew and everybody. So I acted in one playing an Indian and and walked and watched. Now, then I had to direct one. Hmm. There I was. Never directed anything in my life. First take, I sat near the camera and it was so good, I started laughing. And Dennis said, "Uh, Cut, uh, Lou, you know, during a take, you'll want to be quiet. (laughs) I said, Oh, yeah, well, I know that. I was an actor. (laughs) Anyway, it was hard work. And and uh, as I, I, I can say it because I wrote about it, it was kind of a mean thing. Not a mean thing. I think it was the producers saying to Dennis Weaver, hey, we'll show you who's running the show. The hmm. first setup that was given me was an escaping panther in a, in a, 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 in a not a Broadway, uh, not a circus, but like a, one of those small... Uh, shows where they they have leaping ladies and mm-hmm. anyway 
what what would you call that, Brian? Uh, what like a tra- sideshow, traveling side sideshow? Yeah, traveling sideshow, an escaping camp of two hundred extras. My first shot as a film director. Mm, and Dennis was hopping all over the place directing the extras and everything like that. And the, the ADs I knew from New York as an actor, they'd been on Naked Cities and stuff. They weren't much help. But anyway, we got it done. And I finished it on time, which is what it's, it's the way they wanted things in, in episode television. Mm-hmm. And, and as I say on page whatever. Oh, and they, oh, but in the day, in, in the, uh, in, in the uh, the one with Dennis, I have a picture, two pictures of me. My first day of shooting a film, sat, standing next to a camera, and then the second episode was Albert Salmi shooting in the uh, swamp of Florida, and 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 that animal of the day was an alligator, oh, and, and the stunt guys are handling the alligator. I tell you, I had to grow up fast. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and uh, now you worked with Dennis again by directing him in McLeod, correct? Yes, he asked me. Uh, by that time, I was known. Right. And I was uh, I was really kind of getting most of my work at Universal, where McLeod was shot. So they knew about me. I directed uh, Owen Marshalls and stuff like that. And so that's when Owen uh, McLeod and they rotated from 90-minute shows. Columbo was one of them. And then they made them two-hour shows. So we had 13 days to shoot two-hour shows. Wow. Which meant that we, actors had a 10-day turnaround. And if you're an actor, this should appeal to you. Or if you're just a person who wonders about us all, why we do this and silly stuff, um, you need a 12-hour turnaround, 10-hour turnaround, or else you have to pay them an extra day's salary. So we would always, on Friday... Uh, because Saturday would be coming up and, and that overtime wouldn't be there. We would shoot till three in the morning. Wow. On the back lot, car chases, gunshots. And I tell you, it was dangerous. You'd see a, a grip who'd been working all day anyway, dragging a cable just ready to fall asleep while he's walking. So that, that we, there's two things you learned as a director. And one of them was get a lot of sleep when you could. And the other one was learn well, let's see. How do I put this for your show? Okay, you, you can say We're anything. Kidding. Actually, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay. Well, it's. I'll put it this way: you learn kidney control. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> you couldn't go running off to the bathroom in the middle of a shop. <laughs> so you learn stuff you thought you never would have to learn. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Now, Lou, uh, you mentioned uh, with Gentle Ben and working with Dennis Weaver and everything, and you worked with a lot of animals back then. Now, the two things that you always hear, they say, don't work with children and animals. Now, you worked with animals in Gentle Ben, but with the Partridge family, you were overloaded with children. My gosh, I forgot. Yeah, the Partridge family. (laughs) And Shirley Jones, of course. Oh, Shirley Jones, I just adored that woman. And and David was David Casty was popular as could be, mm-hmm. and the, all those brothers were really swell guys. They only gave you three days to shoot that with a single camera, and then a half a day on Saturday, uh, on Friday. Uh, so you had two cameras because it would be the musical number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And David was always I, I was told that he would always be late on Monday because he'd be doing. You know, shows, arena shows and stuff over the weekend. That's where he made big money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he would always come in exhausted but know his words. And the, the Danny, the little red-headed wise guy. Yep, Danny Bonaducci. Yeah, thank you. Danny Bonaducci. He was the only problem because he was, he, he was so smart and so funny, and he knew that people adored him. <laughs> so he, he worked a little too hard. You had to pull him back a little bit, not to make so many faces. But it was... This is a great experience for me. Again, I was just starting to direct. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah. And to have Shirley there to calm everybody down. Now, she was wonderful. Yeah, she seemed... Uh, I've met her uh, once, and uh, she just seems... She, she was so quiet and, and just... Yeah, she's you know, real just, people. Just her air. The, the air around her was like, you know, yeah, like you say, normal person, you know? <laughs> 
and to get one a smile out of her was uh, was a gift. I mean, just because you not that they were difficult to get, they weren't, mm-hmm. but that they were always so sincere. Yeah, yeah. And now in the seventies, you also directed a, a, a classic actor, Rock Hudson, right, in McMillan and Wife. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. How the, was, uh, was working with him? The Rock was phenomenal. And back in when I, when we were all young method theater snobs, <laughs> anybody called Rock or Tab or Forrest, we had turned up our noses at him. We'd watch a performance and we'd find, oh, that's ter- oh, that's terrible. Oh gosh, well look how phony that is. What does he what does he do? Comb his hair before? Is that the way he prepares? I mean, all that mm-hmm. cheap crap. And uh, and then and then they they said uh, to do uh, uh, Macmillan and Life. And I said, "Yeah, okay, that's a two-hour show, and 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 it was comedy, and I wanted some of that." And met him, and we had a cameraman on that who was an ex. He had won a couple of Oscars as as a cinematographer, a wonderful man, and he was doing all right because I think his wife or somebody owned a chain of apparel stores because he didn't have to do he could do anything he wanted to. He had a wonderful man, and he lit those two like a movie. And uh, and and Rock really I discovered quickly. He was reading the Uta Hagen acting book at that time, and he really cared about acting. Hmm. And he was wonderful to work with because he would try anything that I would would ask of him, uh, not just uh, the stuff that he could do within a blink of an eye. Yeah. And uh, it was it was wonderful working with him and. And I learned a lot about the old Hollywood because he, he loved to chat. He always made fun of himself. He said, mayonnaise? No. Oh, there's something else. It's a fake mayonnaise. I like that other thing. You know, he's <laughs> just always making fun of himself. He was delightful. And and he had, I, this is also how, what a great guy he was. He had a dressing room, on the, I think the best on the lot at Universal. And I had uh, two young babies. And I would get up and do my work at home, fixing breakfast, you know, making a little clatter, trying to be quiet so I didn't wake my babies. And I happened to mention that to him once. And he said, well, Lou, what, well, use my dressing room. I never use it. I use the motorhome. I said, well, what, Rock? He said, yeah. I went and looked at it. It had a sauna, <laughs> a kitchen, and a bedroom. Wow. And right next to Jim Garner's dressing room. Huh. I said, thank you. And sure enough, that's what I did. One time he said, look, um, I've got to have this publicity meeting. Do you mind if if we use your 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 motorhome, Lou? I said, my motorhome. <laughs> it's yours, Rock. It's yours. Huh. And then we would get a little drunk sometimes. Uh. <laughs> great guy. Great to work with. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I did the uh, the uh, four hour thing with him, the Star Maker four hour movie for television, it was all about doing it right. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't locked into that character. We created another character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he just—he—he he was classic Hollywood. That, you know, I mean, he was just such a classy guy. Yeah, he was. And and now, well, not now, but I mean, then I started looking back at some of these old movies. He was good. Mm-hmm. I just saw him and Doris Day and something on TCM last night. Oh yeah, they were both good. Yeah, yeah, fun. And movies. they did those comedies. But then when he did one where uh, uh, called Seconds, did you ever see that, Brian? Uh, they do. I don't uh, think so. They, uh, uh, John Randolph played a character, character guy, and he for some reason had to escape, and they gave him a new face. And when after plastic surgery, it was Rock Hudson. Oh, okay. And Frankenheimer, I think, directed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You might want to look at it. Wow. Huh. Jeez. Now. Um, there's so many other shows that we could go into here. Uh, I mean, you you were nominated for an Emmy for uh, Chicago Hope, and uh, oh yeah, that that was a a, a great show there. Um, oh gosh, when uh, again, if anybody's reading the book, and I hope you do, Luantonio dot com. Uh, that way, you get an autographed copy or an inscription. I forgot to I forgot to mention that. Yeah, LouAntonio dot com. I tell you, order Cool Hand Lou. <laughs> yep. Anyway, uh, he he. Uh, what were we talking about, Brian? Uh, Chicago Hope. Yeah, uh, I had 
for several years, I think eight years or, or 18 years or whatever, I directed only television movies or pilot films. And believe me, to direct television movies in those days, you were like a movie director. Mm-hmm. No, no, I want, I want a different shade of blue for the wall. Now, I want, to, I want to call a coordination of costume, wall, and props in this scene. I mean, you were really a director, except for the star. And as, as was pointed out to me, there's no word of mouth, no reviews. When you turn in a TV set, you want to know what star am I going to look at, <laughs> and maybe the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so, um, so I got, I started working in those kinds of shows, and found out that people like rock really were dying for material that they could break out of what they made their fortunes and fame out of. Mm-hmm. He was a true. A true actor, and literally, if you read about a section, I won't describe it now, because where I wanted something, and and he broke his hand. Uh, anyways, it's a between him and oh gosh, who who was in the who played the lead in the the the, the uh, series uh, Hunter, the Hunter, uh, big six foot five. Yeah, guy. I'm trying to. Oh shoot. <laughs> My mind just went blank. I can picture yeah, space. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, oh, played for the L.A. Rams. I can't can't think of his name right offhand. <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 I, I directed uh, Nina Foch. I, I hope you got some old timers out there. Nina Foch was in uh, was in one of the uh, in, in one of the uh, uh, West Wing. Uh, no, Chicago. Uh, no, the the one we're talking about with Rock, and she had a nice part, and she was a well known, well known, well known. Just missed being a star. She was an American in Paris and everything. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I was I had been directing uh, the football player, and and I, I was amazed at how quickly you would pick up a dress. He had never acted in anything before, and and I said, had you ever studied acting? He said, well, yeah, I was coached on this by Nina Foch. And so when I worked with Nina, I said, Nina, I got to thank you for coaching. Oh, damn, what's his name? Have your people look up the hunter on, <laughs> on one of those funny iPhones. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and I said, thank you. You made my life so much easier. He said, she said, what? Usually directors hate coaches. I said, well, you, I love you. You did a great job with him. <laughs> Wow. I want to finish up here in just a minute, but um, uh, I want to touch on more of your personal life for just a second, because is it true that you were scouted by the Boston Red Sox to play baseball? Yeah, uh, by a, a scout. Yeah, not the entire. Yes. Yeah. I was uh, playing high school high school uh, baseball and, uh, and, and American Legion ball during the summer. And I was playing up up in uh, Clinton, Oklahoma, playing our Central High where I went to high school and Clinton High. And uh, the, my coach's brother was a coach up in uh, Clinton, and he had heard about me from my coach, his brother. And so uh, a, a Boston Red Scout was in the air and came in and watched me. I was a catcher. Wow. And he went up to... Coach Appleby, Earl Appleby, my coach, and said, uh, "Keep us. How do you put it? Keep us interested. We're interested, or something. Keep, keep in touch. We're interested." Huh. And then I went back in the next game for Central High and stole home and slid into home. And when I started to get up, my right arm wouldn't get up, and that mm. that was that. Yeah. No more. I couldn't throw anymore. So that was my baseball mm-hmm. dream. Yeah. Smashed. Well, Lou, uh, we're going to finish up with two final questions that take us away from your book, which is Cool Hand Lou, My 50 Years in Hollywood and on Broadway, which everybody should go out and get. Or uh, louantonio.com. Right. They can get it. And like you say, the website, you can order that. And on the website, they can, you know, I'll, I'll write a little something. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I felt that better. That's good. No, no, I, 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 I want you to do that. Uh, but uh, taking us away from your, your book and your acting yes. and your directing and everything else, when you sit back and relax, 
What do you watch on TV? What's your favorite TV shows now and of the past? What's, what are you watching? And what's your favorite movies now and of the past? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I, I'm, uh, uh, I love musicals. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's these stressful times in America. Uh, last three nights I've put on Singing in the Rain, Funny Face, and um, uh, the one with the stare and Sid Charisse. Um American in Paris? No, uh, American in Paris. No, I, God, no, I just watched it last night. Uh, anyway, I don't really watch much television, I must, must say. I just don't have time for it. I know that sounds weird, but if any friends of mine are on, I, I watch it. Yeah. And what is, oh, yes, I do. One I'm very impressed with is Mayflower Madam. Uh, no, I beg your pardon. Uh, Madam Secretary. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. With that concept that Barbara Hall came up with, good writer. She came up with that. I, she may came up with uh, The Good Wife, too, was well done. Yes. Yeah. Adult uh, things. And for laughs, I used to watch, I, I didn't watch much half hour, but, but that, that guy Parsons, he, he won, I think he wins a Tony, I mean a, an Emmy every time, uh, half hour sit, sitcom. Parsons? Oh, 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 uh, um, the, the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> yeah, that's the Big Bang Okay. It's so, so, but now, of course, with one of my favorite actresses, mm -hmm. uh, the, um, called Mom. Show called Mom. Yes, yeah. Anna Ferris. With, uh, Allison, what, what's her name? Allison Janey, yeah. yeah. I've worked with her in White in West Wing. Yeah. And I just, and now I think she's won something. But <laughs> she's so good. Yes, yeah. She and was, she was so good to work with in, in the West Wing. Yeah, and in I, Tanya, she was incredible. That's why I saw her. Yes, yes. And she's just a marvel. Mm -hmm. She can do anything. She's the sweetest woman to work with. Yeah. I'd give her a, a little what I call a whisper, which is when I give direction, I call them suggestions. And I go whisper in their ear so they don't, so that the nobody else knows what, what I'm asking, because then they'll judge her. <laughs> oh, well, he, he wanted tears. Yeah, I don't see any tears. You know, so yeah. I just whisper. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, I learned that from Kazan, Elliot Kazan. Uh, Take him by the elbow and walk him away and just whisper in her ear. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's called whispering direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, but anyway, uh, right now, I just don't have time for, uh, because if I get caught in in a series of some sort, though I did like that one uh, um, that I think won some stuff about the women in the funny hats uh, and they were being recreated on Earth. Wonderful series. Sure. So well done, I had to watch it, and I just can't remember the name of it. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't answer your question very clearly. No, that's that's okay. Uh, I, you know, uh, the show's... Still Hand Luke remains my, my, that and America, America, which Kazan directed me in, mm -hmm. in that when I, and they, they run Luke a lot, is I'll say, oh, God, I missed that part. There's always something to find, as you must find when you see movies more than once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you learn much more about the movie. Yeah. Well, Lou, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. This has been fascinating. People should go out and find out more because we just touched, I'm sure, a little bit from what's in the book. But they can get Cool Hand Lou, My 50 Years in Hollywood and on Broadway. And like you say, go to louantonio.com and they can get it there and get a, a autographed copy of it, which is always nice. So uh, Yes, and it'll be an inscription. It won't be just my name. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll think up something to say about your name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us, Lou. Okay. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Lou Antonio, thank you so much for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. And just so many shows you've been in and on and directed and everything else. It's just great hearing the stories that he has, and I'm sure he's got tons more, and they're all in his book, Cool Hand Lou, My 50 Years in Hollywood and on Broadway. Be sure to check that out, and I'm sure you can go to Amazon or, or LouAntonio.com and pick that up, and a lot of good stuff in there, so check it out. And that's it. We got uh, busy, busy, busy things going on. And of course, it's getting toward uh, better weather. And some of you are getting really roasted right now. And uh, some of you are getting weather that's cooler than normal. And uh, we just hope that uh, everything's going good for you. 
And I thank you so much for listening to me each week, and I hope you'll tell a friend. If you are, uh, get a chance and you're on iTunes getting this, if you could just, you know, you don't have to leave a review. You can if you'd like. We'd appreciate that. But, you know, rate us, you know, just uh, five stars, four stars, whatever. We appreciate that. Helps more people hear about us, and uh, it puts us up in ratings so more people see us, and that's how it works. And... um Also, if uh, you could tell a friend, that's probably the best way to get things out. Uh, We have hundreds of thousands of listeners every week, and uh, we're getting, we've done, well, (laughs) adding things up here, we've done millions of people have listened to On Screen and Beyond, and I thank you so much for doing that. Hope uh, you're enjoying all these interviews, and I hope that uh, you go back at onscreenandbeyond.com or on iTunes, and you can listen to all five Uh, almost 500 we are at uh, 498 episodes and we've had over 500 guests because sometimes we had doubles but um i hope you enjoy it and i hope you'll continue to enjoy it thank you so much and that's it that's a wrap for this week so until next week when do we once again take you on screen and beyond i'm brian zemrak take care (laughs) 